Sometimes our brain and our feelings disconnect a little bit, but it's to know our feelings and to know um, our desires and, our, and you know, what we're good at. What's our strength? What are our weaknesses? And uh, what are we passionate about? That's, you know, that's what being self-aware is all about. Because when we're more self-aware of who we are and how God's wired us up to be, then it's much easier to then love those around us. You agree? Yeah, you can see. To become a mature adult, we actually need to fearlessly look at our insecurities, our fears, our doubts, our anger issues, and our feelings, and what's going on in our brain 24-7. One of the most powerful qualities a person can have is self-awareness. It's like having a very clean mirror to look into revealing what is really there, both the good and the bad. So this morning we're going to look in a mirror for a little while, and just, what is in my heart? What is in my mind? What do I actually feel about myself? What do I actually think about myself? You know, I journal. I don't journal like every day. I maybe journal once or twice a week. But I find that a really helpful tool and how I am going with my self-awareness. Because you can feel upset. You can feel stressed. You can feel anxious. You can feel happy at the top of the world. You can feel things and you can be thinking things. But if you don't actually take time to just have a little look in that mirror, so to speak, and see what's actually going on in my world, you can miss being self-aware and react out of things. You know, have you ever thought, why am I so stressed? Why am I feeling so anxious? And you can't put a finger on what it is that's actually making you anxious? Or is that just me? Yeah? And being self-aware is taking the time to actually look and see what's going on in, in your world. And so I journal because that helps me. It makes me collect my thoughts and bring them into order because I have one of these minds that thinks about 100 different directions all at once and I have to actually bring them into line. Otherwise, I'm, I'm, it's going, going fast all the time. And so I make my staff stop and breathe. And that's a big clue to being more self-aware is making ourselves stop, breathe. It's a beautiful thing, you know, and, you know, God, God, you know, Jesus, he showed us about being self-aware and about being in touch with how, you know, you're feeling and being in touch with God, the Father, because he took time aside to spend time. He took time aside in the mornings to spend time and he'd go off by himself. And that was him processing things and listening to the Father. And, and that's really, really important and being self-aware and knowing what's going on in ourselves and in our mind and our emotions and our soul. Because, uh, because otherwise we can get to the end of the week and go, whoa, you know, you're so stressed out or you're angry or you're grumpy and it's like letting everybody else in your world know and you haven't actually put your finger on what is actually going on. So be self-aware is a great. So make yourself stop and breathe. Psalm 46 verse 10 says, be still and know that I am God. Now some of us or most of us in our busy, hectic worlds that we get into find it really hard to be still, some more than others. But God's word in Psalm 46 actually says, make yourself be still and know that I am God. Because when you take that time, like we sometimes sing, take a moment to know who God is and know who you are. Because when you do that, when you're still and you make yourself settle, you can process things, you can hear what God's saying. And he's saying, be still and know that I am God, is saying, be self-aware. What is going on in your world and what, what is God saying to you? So in reflecting and recognizing your emotions 
your achievements, your confidences, your abilities. You're, you're giving yourself time to process things. And it's really, really important key in our busy lives to be able to do that. Because otherwise, you know, people, it's so easy to get, you know, so far away from the person that you really want to be or so far from the plan that God had for you because you've just kept on fast track, fast track and never taken any time. You know, they did this survey once of these um, people in their late 80s or early 90s and they said, what would you do if you could live your life again? And one of the things they said they would do is to reflect more. Exactly, exact, to stop and to be still and to reflect more. Why is that? Because when you reflect, you look at what's going on and you become more self-aware. So I don't want us to get into our you know, late 90s. You know, we're meant to be much wiser as we get older. But there's a whole lot of time before that for all of us. So let's take a bit of advice from those that have gone before us and say, you know what, I'm going to reflect more, I'm going to be still and know that God is God and who he's made me to be and actually be more self-aware. Because the opposite of self-awareness is self-deception and that's choosing not to look at yourself honestly or openly. You know why? Because you might be afraid of what you find there. You keep God at arm's length because you're like, no, I'm handling it. Or I don't want to go there. And we're all very good at doing that at times. And so that's, that's actually not self-awareness. That's called self-deception. You just, nah. And you start to build walls. And the more you self-deceive yourself, is, is that you're building walls around your life and around your heart and going, I don't want to look. And I don't want anybody else to look. And I definitely don't want God to look. And God's saying, you know what? All that stuff is weighing you down. It's like trying to run through life with these great big heavy suitcases and God wants you to take a jet plane, you know? And he's saying, just jump on with a backpack, you know? And it's like he just wants us to run and be free. And so if we're building walls, it's saying that I don't want to be self-aware. I don't want to be God-aware. I don't want to let myself or others look in that space. And in the end, that kind of decays and erodes anything that God is trying to do. So it's really important. You know, Jesus, he knew who he was. He knew where he came from. He knew where he was going and what he had to be done. And he knew his father and he knew his followers. So Jesus knew himself. He knew the father. He knew what he was going to do. He knew what had to be done. And he knew those around him. And that's what he wants us to be like. So the first step is to be self-aware. And uh, I want to talk to you about self-awareness in the sense of what your inner dialogue is. What your inner dialogue is. Some people will call it self-talk or a mental chatter, yeah? Awareness of your inner dialogue is an important step in being self-aware because amazingly, people tend not to notice their inner dialogue. They don't, they, you know, your brain is going and talking so much, although Philip told us last week that guys can actually think nothing. I'm not sure about that, but anyway. But sometimes, men, you must have mental chatter going on, don't you? Yes, yes, see, you do. Thanks, Stephen. <laughs> you do have mental chatter going on, and that is your self-talk. And uh, it's your mind speaks to you in all situations, from daily routines to difficult life events. And it's a voice that can either encourage you or chastise you. Now, I've um, Phil Pringle, who is a guy we know, and he, he's a preacher, and he says there's like three video screens in a, in a, on DVD screens in our mind. One is us with our self-talk going mad. 
blah, 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 if you're a guy, but blah, 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 if you're me. And uh, the other one is God. He's got the screen on. He's saying, you're awesome. I love you. I've got a plan for you. You know, just deal with these things in your life and, and forgive that person. But I think you're awesome. I'm shouting for you. That's God. And then there's you that's going, oh, I'm worrying, 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 anxious. Oh, I've got to do this. And then there's the devil. And he loves to have a little chatter in your mind too and in your emotions going, oh, you're unworthy. Oh, you know, that person did that to you. So, oh, you don't want to go there again. And uh, you, can you really do that? Nah, that's impossible. Lots of people have tried that before. You see what's going on in your, in your mental chatter? Okay? And so it's really important to be self-aware of what's going on inside us because there's always lots going on in there. Yeah? So some people have compared mental chatter with how people answer, what are you thinking? So we're going to forget Philip's comment about men sometimes think nothing. But you might be saying, I'm thinking about what I'm going to eat. But somebody says, oh, what, would you, what are you thinking? And you go, well, I'm thinking about what I want to eat. But in actual fact, your mental chatter goes more like, I'm hungry. I wonder what I'll eat. It is 12.30 yet? Oh, no, it's only noon. It's too early to eat now, but I'm hungry, man. I've been eating too much lately. If I make another half hour, I'll be good. I'm so bad at controlling my diet. I better work out after work today. That'll be good. I'll work out then. I can eat earlier. And that now it's time. It is now to eat. So your mental chat is going blah, 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 blah. But you're, you know, somebody's saying, what are you thinking about? Now, some guys, you might be slower in your mental chatter since men are meant to be different. But, you know, most of us, I know guys that are blah, 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 blah all the time. They're constantly thinking. So you might be asked one question, but your brain is doing all this stuff. And that's called your mental chatter or your self-talk. And uh, so I want to give you an exercise this week. If you carry your phone with your notes part on it, or you have a piece of paper, and carry a notebook and a few sheets of paper around for a week, and a few times each day, write your exact thoughts. Not the general thoughts, but what you've been thinking in that time. And note the following. What prompted you to think that? What emotions relate to that? And how did they all line up together? Now, that might be difficult for some of you where you have to actually think about what you're thinking about. But it's really important for us to become more self-aware because we make ourselves stop and think about what we're thinking about. Because sometimes what we're thinking about is stinking thinking. Yeah? So we need to stop. And so I encourage you this week, if you've got time or over the Easter break, to check on your self-talk or your mental chatter and see what you're actually thinking about. Not just once, because you'll go, oh no, I have to think holy thoughts, or I have to think, you know, nice thoughts. But actually, just every now and then, through, through the day and through the week, write down what you've been thinking about, and you'll get a little, little picture of what actually is going on inside of you, and you'll be more self-aware. And then, to get more out of the exercise, write up what you've observed through that time at the finish. Because the important part of the exercise is to identify what's going on. And by checking that, you're becoming more self-aware of what you're thinking and feeling. And then you can shift, if you're not happy with what's going on in your self-talk, you can actually shift it to become more in line with what you want it to be and what and whom God says you are. If we don't ever check, we've got stuff going on on our internal self that often does not line up at all with what God says about us in his word. And we can hear stuff on Sundays, we can talk about it at the Connect group, but the rest of the time we've got this mental stuff going on, this self-talk that affects our soul, affects our emotions, because we've got it constantly in our mind. So it's good to know, be self-aware, so you can write it down and go, you know what, that's not great. I'm going to start to line that up and catch your thinking. You know, I had this 
um, friend, and, and he went to counselling because he was really struggling with this. And he said his counsellor said to him to take a butterfly net, imaginary butterfly net, and catch the thoughts as they're buzzing around and pull them down and have a look at them and examine them and say, is that a good thought to be having? Is that positive? Is that loving? Is that actually what God says about me? And if it's not, you take that thought and you nail it to the cross because it says to take every thought captive to Jesus and say, Jesus dealt with that. That's not who he says I am. And if it's a great thought, like I'm having an awesome day, thank you, God, you love me, my family is spectacular, da-da-da-da, then you let that one go. Do you see? Because then you're checking what's going on in your internal world, and you become more self-aware, and it's healthy for us. Because healthy people are then able to be loving people. Amen? Okay. So, and Romans 12 says, be transformed. So if you want to be all that God made you to be, which is our, Philip and I, our prayer and why we do what we do is to encourage others to be all that God made you to be. That's what God's given us a job of doing, is you go out and you encourage others to be everything that God made them to be. And so one of the things is that Romans 12 says, is be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that God and acceptable and perfect will of God. What is a good and perfect and acceptable will of God? And so sometimes you've got to transform your thinking if it's not what God is saying about you, okay? And that's the first part about knowing yourself and then loving others because when you know yourself and you're in touch with your emotions and your feelings and your thoughts, then you're going to be healthier people. And then you can love others. And I want to give you just some, a few little lovey tips this morning. Have I still got you in the room? Men, I want you to listen up, all right? Just give yourself a little, there you go. If you've got a female next to you, they can give you a little nudge, okay? So this is about loving others. And uh, we all want to be loving, don't we? Do we all want to be loving? Yes. And so often we actually don't have the capacity to hold people in our hearts and lives because we're so burdened down with the stuff. We're so consumed by our own problems and our own dramas and our own status that we actually do not allow space in our own lives. But God said to love him with everything we've got and then love our neighbor as we love ourselves. You know? we, and, we, and so we've got to love ourselves, and that's what self-awareness is all about. But uh, I wanted to just share with you some things that might help you love others also, it's broaden your perspective. Being loving starts with having the ability to see beyond your own personal concerns and empathize with others. You know, so broaden your perspective about the world. There is so much going on out there and there's so many people. And so you just be more aware of others around you instead of we can get so bogged down with our own little thing. That it see, and one of the things is it can be totally out of perspective because we're just me, 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 me. And there's other people around you, you know, if you think you've got a problem, I tell you what, there's somebody with twice as many problems out there. Because so God says, look up and look around you and broaden your perspective and your surroundings because then you'll see that there's actually, you can empathize with others and how can I love others? But if we never broaden our perspective of our world around us, we're just going to think me all the time. Having a greater awareness of the world outside our heads is a big step to loving those in our world. Locate the source of love. Locate the source. God is the source of love. When you don't feel loving, he's your source. You know, one of the... Now, 
don't get me wrong, my husband is an awesome man, but I'm going to use this illustration. When we were on our, doing our, um, we had two of our pastors marry us, and one did all the vows, and the other gave the tips for marriage. And one of his tips was the only one he actually said. He says, I know you're standing here all dressed up and all lovey-dovey and stars in your eyes and all those things, but there's going to be times where maybe you're not feeling all lovey-dovey and you're tired, and, and so then how do you love one another? Now, it doesn't happen very often, but sometimes when I haven't had enough sleep and I'm feeling crabby, uh, he says, at those times, when you're not feeling it, look to the Father. Look to the Father who is the source of your love, and he'll give you what you want. So I encourage you, when you know that you just don't have it, when there's no feeling there at all, and you just want to slap somebody, yeah, when you're just feeling irritated and grumpy and want to be left alone, Look to the Father because he is the source of love. God is love. And he says that he will pour that love in. And his plan is that we would receive love from him and whatever we give is just an overflow. So then you're not dragging up all these, you know, good kindness, loving, self-control, not holding any records of wrong. It's just overflow. And you get less wrinkles, okay? It's overflow. So he is the source of your love. Let him love on you, be self-aware, let him in those places, and then you can love out of the overflow. So locate the source and uh, enlarge your understanding. Your definition of love may be too narrow. Love is more than a good feeling or romance. And you know what? You don't even actually have to agree with somebody to act with consideration. You do not need to be attracted to somebody to demonstrate a loving attitude. The Good Samaritan is a really good example of that. Jesus told that parable. You know, the Samaritan, he didn't agree with the person. You know, they were, they were from a different places. He was a Jew. The other one was, um, you know, a, he was, a Jew was lying on the ground and here was this man from Samaria. They were poles apart in their thinking and their worlds and their value and their religion. And yet, the Samaritan reached out and helped the Jew. Why? Because you don't have to agree with everybody and everything somebody thinks to show consideration and love. You do not even need to be attracted to someone to be kind to them. Yeah? So enlarge your understanding of what it means to love. Number three is adjust the angle of your perspective. It may sound amazing, but it isn't about us. Love motivates people to sacrifice for others not expecting any personal benefit. So stop thinking selfishly. I love how the word just puts everything so, you know, straight. It's actually not about us. When we're loving the world, it isn't about us. When we're loving other people in our world, it's not about us. When you've got to get up and make that person a cup of coffee because they're sitting there, they've had a long day, and you would like the cup of coffee made for you, it's actually not about us. It's about them. When you've got to get out of bed and, you know, get somebody off to school or, or make somebody breakfast or lunch or all any of those things, it's not about us. When you do the dishes because you're, the person you live with looks absolutely had it, it's not about us. It's about them. What can I do? So adjust the angle of your perspective and it'll bubble up. When it's all about us, it's a very painful place, you know? And I'm sure that you get more, you know, wrinkles and look grumpier. You know, one of the things... I've learnt as um, when I'm having issues with forgiveness, which is sad but true, is that, is that I've learnt, it's like I have this long list, uh, one day I was feeling a bit 
and not very self-aware, and God sat me down and says, all right, let's deal with some stuff. And he says, I want you to write down all the people's names that you're feeling a little bit peeved at. And so I did, and I kept on writing and writing, and I had this piece of paper, and I'm like, oh, there would just be a few. And I kept on writing and writing. I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is really bad. You know, and I kept on writing, and then I'm going oh, God, I'm really sorry. That's, I didn't realise I had so much stuff in my heart. And I went, yes, all right, keep on going. And so, you know, way back, I thought, I dealt with it, no. When you actually stop and consider and go, Lord, is there anybody I need to just let go of the stuff or I've taken offence or I need to be forgiving? You know, the, the Holy Spirit, he's really great at going, you know, that's there still. And he doesn't do it to condemn us, he do, does it to free us. And so what I did is I wrote it down, I'm feeling really plebby at the end of this great big long list of names on this paper, and I'm like, now what do I do? And he says, all right, just give it to me. So I said, Lord, I choose to just give this over to you, I forgive them. And I'm still feeling plebby. I'm like, well, that was great. And then he says, now, I want you to write down beside each person on that piece of paper what you have learnt and what you can take away from that circumstance or that relationship. And so I started to write down, and some of it was just simply like, oh, that person, I'm determined that when I get old, I'm not going to be grumpy like them. Now, you know, that's what I learned from it, and take it the right way. God just laughed at me, but, but it was like, if that's all it is, I choose that I am not going to be like that. That's a good choice. You've learned something from that. You don't have to hold against them. You can actually thank them. Lord, I thank you that I'm not going to be like that. Yeah? Or, oh, Lord, I learned that iron sharpens iron and I'm tougher. I'm tougher because of that. Or I've learned that, you know, I need to be giving. Or I've learned that I need to communicate better because I didn't do a very good job there. And so we can learn through being self-aware and choosing to love how we can actually expand our capacity inside. So think about and adjust your perspective that it's not all about you. And uh, you don't actually have to agree with somebody to show them consideration. Think about how other people feel and uh, stop being so selfish. You know, I, I thought about how to be less selfish and uh, I looked it up and there was a couple of little tips I found. One is listen when other people are talking. That's pretty basic. But really listen and don't let your mind wander and then you suddenly come back. Actually, look at them in the face, listen to what they have to say. Allow yourself to get completely absorbed in their world for a few moments. So really listen. The other thing I found out was read, watch, or listen to the news. Make it a point to be aware of major world events as well as what's happening in your own city. Gain deeper understanding of the issues around you because then it broadens your perspective of what others, are going, what others are going through. If we just stay in our own little world, then it's only our little world and we're not understanding what's going out there and we can be very selfish. If we want to grow in our selflessness then we have to actually see what's going on in other people's lives. See what the world, other parts of the world are going through. See what's happening in your own community. Because then, when you know God, he'll touch your heart with it. And he'll move you. You might be surprised what he'll get you to do. Read novels. Listen to movies if you don't read. But anyway, watch movies. That studies show that reading, liter um, reading fiction improves your ability to be empathetic. So you go, there's a good reason to read. It actually increases your ability to empathise with other people's stories, with other people's lives, because it's not just about you. You see what God does? He's like, it's not all about you. Be bigger on the inside. Be bigger on the inside. And for all those single people, I heard a very wise man once say, that if you're wanting to find a spouse, or you're wanting to find friends even, be more interesting. 
simple. It sounds very simple, but it's true. It's not being awful, but you can sit and talk to people and they can be quite boring. Yeah? So I encourage you, if you want some friends or you're looking for that girl or guy, be more interesting. And one of the great ways of being more interesting is being more selfless. You know, be more selfless. Be less selfish and listen when other people are talking. Read and watch what's going on in your world and read books. The library. Where's the librarian? Oh, she's out. She'll be, she'll love me for that comment. But, you know, read, read and find out and expand as you are in a, as a person. Be self-aware, but expand your perspective about the world around you. And I'll tell you what, you will be more interesting because you'll actually have something interesting to say because you've read or read this great book. Or, and, you know, guys, the girls will love it because you've got something, your poetry, read poetry. I'm giving you some dating tips, if you know, or, or marriage tips, you know. Write a poem. Anyway, <laughs> all right, so be, be less self, selfish. Think about others. Practice imagining yourself in somebody else's situation. Actually imagine what it would be feel like to be that person because that, God will touch your heart and expand your heart because you're less, you know, all about me and you'll actually have more empathy because God will, God will, when your heart is open, he'll use it and he'll touch you. All right, take pleasure in other people's happiness. Enjoy the good feelings that come with helping other people, or you'll be more likely to find extra ways to help others. You know, we have a thing called AOKs, Acts of Kindness, and if you go on our website, you'll see some photos of our Acts of Kindnesses that we've done when we were meeting in the house. And uh, some of the things that we did, we went out and found a garden and, and blitzed it totally. Front and back garden, we all had the scratches and bruises and, you know, but muscles to prove it. But, you know, it was good for us. It made us, you know, come together and, and, and do an act of kindness. We've had, you know, we have these little cards that are A-OK, Jesus loves you. And we give them out and we encourage, you know, and I encourage you to grab some off the table at the Welcome Centre. And when you're standing behind somebody in the line and uh, they're paying for the shopping, just go, you know, I'd like to pay for that and just give it. And if they don't want you to do that and say, well, can you look behind you now? You know, if they've, just watch your bank balance, but you know, God will bless it. And just say, I'll pay for the next person's coffee, or I'll pay for the next person's shopping. Or, you know, can I take that shopping trolley for you? I'm going that way, or even if you're not. You know, just look out of your way to show acts of kindness, because you're broadening your perspective of the world around you, but you're also loving others, which is what it's all about. You know, um, Ivan, he shares how he buys flowers and he's decided he's going to buy another bunch of flowers for somebody else because everybody looks at him longingly when he's walking through the, the shopping centre. Buy two lots of flowers and find somebody who's looking at you longingly and this could be a dating tip, and give it to them. Yeah, just check their hands first. You know, because people just want to know that they're loved and God, he wants us, to, you know, to spread love around. Yeah? Model yourself after someone who is selfless. Being selfless isn't always pleasurable. Having selfless role models can be a great encouragement. To look at somebody who you would describe as selfless and as loving, and you know, we all need role models. Jesus is the best role model of all. You know, look at his life. Read the Gospels and say, you know, how did Jesus live? What was he doing? How was he selfless in what he did? And, uh, you know, Mother Teresa is a great one. There's a whole, you know, read Read and study and look at what, who are the people that are out there that are doing selfless acts and model your life on them. You know, Paul said, model your life on me. And Ephesians says, therefore be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love. So imitate those who are selfless. You see someone and you go, wow, that's so great. Then copy what they're doing. 
And you'll be amazed at how your heart and your ability to love will expand and your perspective, you know, grows. And you'll be doing things that you just go, wow, that's awesome. And then somebody else will be copying you. And that's how you change the world. Yeah? Express your love. Find ways to express your love. And I'm going to finish very quickly with this. Um, most of you would have read or you've heard of the five love languages. And if you, we, we did it as a group um, last year, I think, and we, and we spent some time doing the five love languages. If you haven't read the book, it's by Gary Chapman, and it's called The Five Love Languages, and it's good for you. You know, you're reading a book? That's a good one. Okay, And it actually teaches us how to express love in an appropriate way to those in our world already. So it teaches you how to express your love to your siblings, to your family, to your loved ones, to those at work. You can study them and figure out, you know? And it's, and it's to practice your acts of kindness on them. And it's like, it actually is really good and it, and it makes it more about everybody else and about us. And then you get this bigger capacity and a joy comes in and this fullness of life comes out of you, so it's really good for you. So the five love languages, thanks, Philip, have you got them up? Is words of affirmation. Learn to speak words of blessing rather than criticism. You know, the world is already really critical. Everybody needs somebody who gives them an affirming word, an encouraging word, saying, you're doing great. Yeah? And the five love language book actually has a little quiz and it'll, it'll show you what you are and then you can do it with your people close to you and figure out what they are. Now I've figured out in my house, because we have a lot of people in our house, that I have, it's amazing how everybody can be so different. And I have the whole spectrum of personality types and love language types. So I'm constantly thinking, what love language are they? No, they're words. All right, so you have to be careful how you speak to them or their physical touch. Now, I am not a physical touch person. It doesn't mean I don't like hugs, but I'm not. You know, I sit on the lounge, and it's really sad. How, um, I, God has, it's strange sometimes what he does. He puts complete opposites together. So I am not a physical touch person, and Philip is. So I'm sitting there, and I'll touch him, and he'll go, oh, I'm like, what's wrong with you? You're very strange, <laughs> you know? Or he just, I'll go reach over and touch the back of his neck while he's driving, and it's like he goes to jelly, I'm like, are you all right? Oh, it's just so lovely. It, it just goes, I'm sharing for a minute, babe. It goes right down, goosecumps just go right down to my finger, you know, my toes. And I'm like, we've been married nearly 25 years. Are you sure? And he goes, yes, it's just lovely. But he's a physical touch person, okay? It's his love language. When I don't do that, he walks around looking sad, all right? And when I'm tired, I lie there on the lounge and he sits on that lounge and I sit in the other and I oh, I should move. So I move my legs and, and he comes and sits near me because that's his love language. That fills his love tank. You do not want to have depleted love tanks because then your self-awareness, because we're more self-aware, says, I need a hug. I'm feeling unloved. And you can be doing everything else for that person, but if you don't fill their love tank on their language, you know, it's, it's not a waste of time, but you're not meeting where their love tank need is, okay? So, words of affirmation, you learn to speak words of blessing and, and not criticism. And some people, if that's their love language, you can say one thing to one person and say, say exactly the same, and this person will be like, oh yeah, brush it off. Yeah, yeah, and this other person will be wanting to slit their wrists. So you've got to understand, if you've got a person in your world and they feel like they really respond badly when you, have a, when you say something, have a look and say, are my words really affecting you? Do you need to be affirmed more? And just suss it out. And then make a point of going, you know what? 
you're really great. Gee, you look nice in that today. Thank you so much for doing that. Thanks for taking the rubbish out. Thanks for cooking a great meal. Yeah? Yeah? There's always nods across that thing. Okay, words of affirmation. I figured out that I actually, my, I, one of my love languages is words of affirmation. I don't go too well with uh, people criticizing. I, I get smaller. I can feel myself getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller on the inside. And I can feel myself getting, it's like big things being cut across my spirit and in my, you know, in my soul. And I'm like, oh, I must be words of affirmation. Yeah? So be self-aware of what your love language is. Because then, instead of reacting to everybody because they're not filling your love tank, say, you know what, I actually think I need to have more encouraging words. Don't expect everybody else to figure it out. You be self-aware and express it. Yeah? Okay. And a good way of knowing whether somebody's love is they'll probably do it for you. If their love language is words of affirmation, they'll be great with affirming words. They'll be great encouraging, and that's probably their love language. The other one is gifts. Offer gifts and perform thoughtful deeds for no ulterior motive. Married men, that means you don't just give gifts when you'd like sex. Okay? It's not what it's all about. Okay, so no ulterior motive. Just give gifts because you give gifts, because that's their love language. We are allowed to talk about that in church. It's good for you all. Okay, so just, you know, or just, you know, younger people, it's not just give gifts because you want your mum or dad to take you somewhere, yeah, or to be able to go somewhere and you think they're going to say no. So give gifts just because you can give a gift, and that's a really important love language. And you'll spot it. They'll be great. That person will be great at giving gifts. They spend all their money on that, and they think really carefully about the gift they're going to give at Christmas, and you can just go, oh, that one's cheaper, just do that. And you go, and that person is saying, no, no, we've got to really think about the gift. That's probably because that's their love language. Okay? So don't just brush off somebody's going, oh, we've got to go and get the perfect present within reason, because that's probably their love language, and that's how they feel loved and how they are able to love others. Acts of service is the other one. Look for what you can do. Serve at home, serve at work. Participate in serving at church. Look for areas where, you know, you can, you can serve and acts of service. You know, if you're married to somebody who their love language is an acts of service, it's going to fill their love tank if you iron their shirt or do the dishes or vacuum the floor or clean the bathroom. Now, Philip says my love language is not acts of service because I hardly notice when he cleans the bathroom. And I enjoy it, but it's like, oh, yeah, that's good. I, I kind of wanted you to do that anyway. But, you know, <laughs> it's, it's if your love language is not acts of service, it's great, but it's not going to be, you know, yahoo. Whereas others, if it is their love language, they're going to think you're the best thing since bees knees. So you see that if you know what the person in your world's love language is, it just helps everything flow along, yeah? And watch out, you know, your kids or your friends, what their love language is because you want to have great relationships, be self-aware about what your love language is, but see, be self-aware about what others are in your world, and everything flows along better. Physical touch, where appropriate, is awesome. You know, so not too much. They have this, this Christian hug thing, which I'm not sure about, where it's like this TP <laughs> between opposite sexes. But I think it's just easy to come alongside somebody, not this TP thing, especially if you're short like me. But, you know, just shake people's hands or pat them on the back. 
If it is your child, you know, I have our oldest son, Ben, he's a physical touch person, so he's always mugging me. And I'm not, so I'm like, I have to hug more, I have to hug more, I have to hug more. So I hug him. But, you know, it's an effort for me sometimes when I'm tired. I'm like, nah, I have to hug. And so I've actually got on one of my lists, hug more. Yeah, so you, if you're not, tell yourself to hug more, to stroke here more, to hold hands, to whatever. Yep, okay? You can tell that's not mine. <laughs> Okay, quality time. Now, by the way, physical touch is not just sex. No, no, it's serious. It's not just sex. I have it for very sound advice. It's not just sex. It's just being, you know, with each other. Just, you know, <laughs> you really should get Philip to do this one. <laughs> okay, it's just shake somebody's hand, pat them on the back. If they're a relative and you can stroke their hair, just don't let it be the mum I love. <laughs> She hates her hair being touched. Okay, so it's not just sex, all right? For when you're singles are, you know, yep, not single or, yeah, anyway. Anyway, <laughs> the last one is quality time, spending time with people. Put away the phone, look at people, listen to them respond. So this is not the time we have FOMO where we have to check our Facebook things and, you know, like you see people, they're sitting having coffee together and what are they doing? Texting, checking their Facebook and they're not looking at each other. That is not, going out and looking at your phone is not quality time. Now I'm a quality timer, I hate it when people do that, I'll just give you a word up. I feel unloved, unappreciated and I may as well go home, okay? Because it's not filling my love tank. You're not spending quality time with me if you're sitting there on your phone. Okay? Unless we both have to check our phones, keep your phone away. <laughs> Philip reckons I've got FOMO. <laughs> okay? But it's looking and sharing and finding out what's going on in each other's world. It's really important quality time. It's, it's listening and responding. Yeah? And if you don't give that quality time, that person is going to get very depleted. You know, I get quite morose if Philip is too busy and I go, I need to see you because I have lots of words that I need to say. And if I can't say them, they get bottled up, bottled up, and I'm blah at 11 o'clock at night when he wants to sleep. And then he has to fix all my problems before he goes to sleep because that's what happens when husbands and wives talk to one another late at night is that the woman will talk and then the guy lies there thinking, how can I fix that? How can I make that better? So, you know, don't leave it to 11 o'clock at night to have quality, not time. All right? So it's, it's being aware and, and giving people time and watching your mobile devices. You know, I've seen, there's actually parenting guides now of people that go and um, spend time with the kids in the park. And watch out for this. You'll see it. Is they, the kids on the park and the mum or dad sitting there on their phone. And they're not playing with the kids. Oh, yeah, I took the kids to the park. They're on the phone, the kids on the swing by themselves. Mom, mom, dad, look at me. It's really common. You start looking and you'll see it. I drive past parks and I see it all the time. And you actually have to discipline ourselves, put it away. Because that's not quality time. Yeah? It's not quality time and say, hey, how are you going? Or just rush off and do something. Or that phone. That's not quality time. You know, and life goes so fast, and you look back and go, I wish I'd spent more time. I do that now, and I, still, I spend time with the kids, but I look back, and they're all growing up, a lot of them, and it's like, it's just gone like that. 
You know, and your friends that you have with you now, you don't know where they're going to be in five years' time. Yeah? And eventually, people are going to go from this world. You know, and you think, I wish I'd spent more time. I wish I'd had more talks. I wish I'd found out about, you know, those things on their heart. I wish I'd found out about that family history that I never bothered to find out about. So take time to listen, broaden your perspective, and uh, love others. Grow in your self-awareness. What's your, what's your inner dialogue going on about? Practice being selfless. And put love into action. And lastly, remember that your goal is to make, not your goal to make the world love you. It's not our goal to make the world love us, but for you to love the world. Let's pray together. Lord, we just thank you that you love us so much. We thank you that we can freely receive from that love anytime and everywhere. And so we, we do that now, Lord. We just open our hearts to receive your love afresh on us this morning, that you would fill our hearts to overflowing. And as we think about you through this week, as we turn our faces to you, Lord, that you'd fill us with your love. Not so that we can just keep it all to ourselves and get big and puffed up, but, Lord, so that we would be able to love others more fully, more deeply, Lord, more selflessly. Lord, help us to be self-aware so that then we're able to grow as people and love others. Help us to love those in our world already better. Yeah, help us to be people who are encouraging and giving and kind and do things, not just with words, but with action. And I pray a blessing on each one of us today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.